0: Let's start off in taking a look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. Genesis 4, verse 25 and 26. You guys might need to turn me up a little bit. Genesis 4:25 and 26, Adam and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of Abel, instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. You notice that last statement, at that time. People began to call upon the name of the Lord. Impetus to pray. A motivation for us to pray. And we can see how it began here. At what time? At that time? What was going on in that time? Well, we know in chapter 4, we have the conflict. Two brothers in and Abel. We know the sin of Cain who killed his brother Abel. We know the wickedness that that started. We know that it was started even before then with Adam and Eve. We saw it just escalating, didn't we? Adam and Eve um, and now Cain and Abel, two brothers, and, and the, uh, the violence and the wickedness and uh, the murder between, uh, done by Cain to his own brother Abel. We saw Lamech here here in chapter four, um, and we see what he does in verse 19. He says, "Lamech took two wives. Where did he get that idea from? God created Adam and Eve, just Adam and just Eve. Not Adam and two wives, but Adam and Eve, but Lamech took it upon himself to go aside from God's plan, apart from God's plan. And he sinned in doing that. Look at his attitude. Verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Wow. I don't know all of what he's saying there, what that means. I mean, you can take it at, at just the language. He did say he killed a man. I don't know if that man, if, if uh, he was in the right for doing that, if it was self-defense or what. But we see, generally, we see increasing. And all of this happening to the end of the chapter and it says then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. I don't know about you but um, I, I feel the strain of that in our culture right now. Um, so much going on. Last week I talked about stress and drama um, and, and the things that that are affecting us. And we see so much going on but it says name those those troubles, those trials that often bring us to pray and bring us to right here on Wednesday service and to come and to cry out to God. I don't know what all our life know them all. And I I read the uh, email prayer prayer list and and I just read that and I go, Lord, there's a lot going on and we hear our requests on Wednesday that are given out and and uh, they, they touch my heart. I know they touch the Lord's heart and um, I'm sometimes overwhelmed by it, but I know the Lord is never overwhelmed by it and he's saying to us that the, the, the scene is set here that these things lead us to pray. sometimes we're burdened with the things of this life and we should be, Uh, motivated. That should be the motivation to pray. In John chapter 15, um, Jesus is sharing. It's an interesting point in John where it it starts really at chapter 13, and Jesus begins to share with his disciples, and this is that last few days before the cross, and he's, he's telling them, what's about to happen he's trying to warn them that he won't be around long he says I'm, I'm gonna go and he uses this phrase a little while and you'll see me a little while you won't see me or he says a little while you won't see me and then a little while you'll see me and it's, they're kind of confused by that talking about he's going to die he's going to leave the earth and He's going to come back. He's going to be raised again. He he will fellowship with them a little bit in that interim before he's uh, um, risen and, and as before he's ascended and gone up into heaven. Um, but he's trying to share with them what's going to happen. And he tells them basically that he's leaving and that troubles their hearts. He knows that they're going to trouble their hearts. He's been with them all this time and... They, they have put their trust in him. They put their faith in him. They believe that he is the Savior. He's the Messiah. And he's going to usher in his kingdom. But they don't know the timing of that. In fact, they think it's going to happen immediately. And he's trying to share with them, no. There's something that has to be done to establish the kingdom. And it's his death. And they don't understand that. You know, um, death to them is like, no, that's... That doesn't sound like victory. That doesn't sound like something we should look forward to or something we should celebrate. And in that degree, of course, it, it doesn't seem that way at all. But it's part of God's plan. And it's part of God's plan to bring about the salvation and the restoration um, of his people. So in John chapter, let's take a look at a few verses there. John chapter 15, verse 19. He's trying to tell them, uh, prepare them for what's ahead. Verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Verse 23, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He, he's telling them, when this happens, you're going to want to pray, but you'll have direct access to the Father. You'll be able to go right to God and to pray. Now, notice also, um, verse 26 of, of John 15, he says, in that day you, you will ask in my name, and I that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. I'm sorry, I'm in John 16. John 16, verse 26. In that day you will ask in my name, and and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. He's saying to them, That trouble's coming ahead. And when it happens, you'll pray. You'll pray directly to God. And so you will be able to to come to him. Look at verse 28. I came, excuse me, uh, end of verse 12. 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. He's explaining them that, you know, he's he's going to be gone, but they'll be able to pray. He wants them to pray. He encourages them to pray, and this is motivation for their praying, um, trouble is coming, and they're going to need to pray. Let me end up with um, the end of verse, end of chapter sixteen, verse thirty-two. Behold, the hour is coming; indeed, it has come. When you be scattered, each to his own house, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He says this this time is coming, you'll be scattered. And he's talking about his death. And they indeed were were scattered. They were confused, they were dismayed, they were troubled. Uh, You'll notice quite often during this section he tells them, I want to warn you that this is going to happen. He says, don't be troubled. Remember in chapter 14, when he starts this, let not your heart be troubled. Um, He says that a couple other times as well. Chapter 16, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. He's he's preparing them for his death, and then he, he, he tells them that they're going to be saddened by it. But rejoicing comes after that. And I'm reminded that this is this this encourages us to pray. This is motivation for us to pray. It was motivation for those disciples that they were going to spend time, spend a time apart from Jesus. And they were going to be discouraged, but they will be motivated to pray. Um. He says, tribulation is coming on them. Going back to verse 33 of chapter 16. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In a world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And uh, we have tribulation. We have trials. We have hardships. We have rough times. Um, he tells us that that's what's going to happen in in this world that we live in now, while we're waiting for Christ to come, we are experiencing all kinds of, uh, and he's warned us about that. And so we have a motivation to pray to him. Jesus was telling his disciples, and one of the things he was telling them is that, um, when I leave, I'm going to see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to minister to you. Basically, it says it's going to minister to you in my absence. And uh, by that, he's called the Comforter. And the Comforter is going to minister to you in a very personal way. Um, so we've experienced that. Spirit ministering to us. Um, where Jesus is no longer on earth, we're waiting for him to return. We need to come together and we need to pray we are encouraged to to come to him and to pray so back in genesis three excuse me genesis four people began to pray they began to call on the name of the lord the trials of that day the hardships the fact that the world was getting more and more wicked they began to call on god you see the things that are happening in in general in the world today. And you see wickedness that is just growing, and we need to call on the name of the Lord. We, in our own lives, we're experiencing hardships, and we need to call on the name of the Lord. We need to, to run to God. We need to find in Him our comfort and, and look, look uh, for our refuge um, in Him. He, are encouraged to pray. We, um, we know that um, he's a God that hears our prayers and answers our prayers and wants us to come to him. He wants us to find our peace and our comfort in him. And so we're encouraged to do just that. Let's think about that as we come in prayer uh, today.
1: Good evening, saints. I want to continue on in John, um, in the very next chapter. John 17 is the high priestly prayer. So I just want to read that. It's always been something that encourages me and encourages me to pray. When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, The hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, With the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, who you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory, that you have given me before you loved me, before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I may know to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. And I in them. What are some thoughts that the Holy Spirit brought to your mind. In that reading of Jesus' prayer. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jesus prayed for us. The prayer is for us. Aaron? Yeah. things that strike me are the selflessness of Jesus, that Jesus is finna confront a horrible thing, but he's worried about his disciples. Because he was more concerned about them going through a tough time than him. Because he knew what he would do. He knew what they would do too. But he knew that he was stronger than them. Right? He knew that they needed his comfort and his prayer and his love. And I think about Jesus, how he confronted those things that he did alone. He was on the cross alone. He was beaten alone. He was in trial alone. And his greatest disciples, and they always were ashamed about that. They never forgot about that. And I believe that's why the Lord let them die, because they wanted to be reassured that, yes, Lord, if I could do it again, I'd do it differently. And they all stood up and said, yes, Lord, I'll die. But at that time, they weren't ready. And so I think about how Jesus was concerned for them and the love he had for him, but also the love he has for us in this oneness. We don't—we're not solitary, like Jesus was. Elijah once thought he was solitary. He said, "Lord, I, I'm giving up. I don't know. I'm—it's just me." And God told him, "It's not just you." And I think as saints, sometimes we can get into modes where we isolate ourselves. We can fall, in some ways, into Satan's trap. And what will happen is, as we isolate ourselves, we lose the strength and the fellowship of the oneness that Jesus promises, that he prayed for. And whenever we think about fulfilling the will of God, we can never forget what we call the prescribed will of God. In other words, if you ever have a question about whether you should steal or shouldn't steal, the Bible says... You shall not steal. And so that shouldn't even be a question about what God's will is in that situation. And so it is with this. Whenever it's a question of whether we should fight for unity or separate ourselves, Jesus prayed for oneness, so it ought not even be a question. And so in times like this where the church struggles or where we have different challenges it's even more important that we seek for that unity of the faith so i'll just pray for our church and let that be our meditation that we achieve and strive for that oneness that's in jesus christ amen
2: good evening everybody So today, I want to focus on is, um, I don't want to seem like I'm belaboring the topic um, of Mac, but I think that in times like these, um, it's a very eye-opening and realistic um, view for all of us, saved and unsaved, on just the brevity of life and the importance of salvation. And... Um, Obviously, something, um, a death in any family, it affects a lot of people. Um, But what I want to focus on today is I still want to kind of focus on Mac's life, but I want to focus on this coming Friday is um, obviously the funeral. And there's people in the family who are not saved and who Mac spent a great deal of his life ministering to those people, pointing them to Christ. And I just want to have um, the two people that I gave the mics to just pray for that the family those that are going to be at the funeral that are not believers that hopefully that this may be his ultimate um, witness to them that this kind of opens their eyes um, maybe in the fact that you know he always that he always spoke to them about the Lord or maybe that he's not going to be here to speak to them about the Lord anymore but ultimately that they realize their need for him and anybody who's not a believer and even those believers but we know are we know the need but they don't and that God can just open their eyes and make them aware to a need for relationship with him and that this can be that that opportunity and Pray for Pastor because he's the one that also gives that message that points that way. And I know he will do that. Um, But just pray for Pastor those people that are going to be at the um, funeral that it can be an opportunity that they can hear the word and that the Lord can do a work in their lives. And I'll close this up.
3: Father we do pray for the funeral that is to take place here this Friday Lord. Father we know that at funerals is usually a time people are prone to hyperbole or exaggeration, kind of inflating how the person's life was great, how the person themselves was great. But in this instance, Lord, we know that it won't be the case at all, Father. But we know the testimony of Mac Holt, Lord. We, we've all known him well enough to know that those who are going to be speaking about him are going to be speaking the truth 100%. There are very few whom we can say this of that have a testimony so strong that they would see so many generations after them, following after you. As he was led by you, he was leading others as well. So Father, I pray this Friday that those who are to speak about his life, those are to to give his testimony to those who aren't saved, that they see the the truth that following you for a lifetime is more than worth it. That abiding by your word, speaking your word, living your word, is more than worth it, Lord. And that his testimony, testimony that saved his wife, testimony that saved his children grandchildren and is now saving his great-grandchildren Lord is worth it father I just want to pray for each and every one of the family members that are going to be into this entering this sanctuary this Friday that the words that are spoken touches their hearts that to be a real life change that to be a real miracle, that you come into this place, that you step into this place, that you do the work that only you can do, that you use the believers that are in this place to proclaim your word in such a mighty way that there can be no question that following you is worth it, that loving you is worth it, that there's no other place to go. Father, we thank you for such a mighty testimony that we are able to share that life, that we're able to tell others about that life, and that the tremendous success and the tremendous blessing that was given to his family through him, through his actions, is something that we It might seem tremendous and and outstanding to so many others who don't know you, Father, but we know it to be true because we saw it. We witnessed it. We know it to be real. And, Lord, I pray that those who don't know you, that they might see that as well. So please, Lord, I I pray in Jesus' name that you open their eyes. Open their eyes to the truth. Help them to turn away from whatever it is they put their faith in that is not you. Father, we thank you always for the testimony of Mac Holt. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his family, for each and every soul that he has touched. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Dear Lord, thank you for this time to come together now just to pray for this funeral on Friday of um, Mr. Holt, the Lord, and just... Thank you for Mr. Holt being in our lives, the Lord. For just a testimony of how um, how he lived, how he was always there, his foundational to us, and how you just always had him here at the church, Lord, to support, to help, to to be that guidance and that uh, wisdom. I pray not just for the funeral on Friday, the Lord. That this may be an opportunity for his family members, for friends that are unsaved, the Lord, to just uh, think about his life, the Lord, and think about what he represented and what he did in his life, and I always pointed others to you, the Lord, and that this is opportunity for them to finally open their eyes and realize the truth of you and the truth of salvation, the Lord. That even in this funeral, the Lord, it may be a big um, service of salvation just to you and to guide others to you. I thank you just for um, his life and just for his family and just for that you will comfort them, give them the, the solace and the comfort of knowing that he is with you, that you have brought him home, the Lord, and that you will just... Be with them as they go through this time of transitioning, the Lord, to this new this new space that's created, the Lord. But you are you are all the Lord, and we may seek after you for everything in these times of, of, of need, the Lord, and times of loss. I thank you for everything you've done, the Lord, and how you continue to maintain the church and pray that you just be with us in the future for everything else that comes up, the Lord. Thank you again. In the name of the Son, Jesus, amen.
2: Lord, we just lift up this funeral this weekend. We lift up the message that's going to go out. We pray that you just speak mightily through pastor. Um, We know that your word is one that can cut between, um, I think as your word says, between um, soul and spirit, Lord, that can cut the finest, finest space that we can even conceive in a person's life, Lord. And it can speak to everybody at one time, Lord, even though um, everyone's at different places in their lives, Lord, in different walks, Lord. We ask that you just allow your word to go out mightily. Allow your word to be received by those in this room that will be here observing the life of Mac, Lord. Um, We ask that you allow the work that he has done, the seeds that he has planted in the lives of those who are not your people that you allow that to be watered by your word, Lord, and that that can grow in their lives, Lord. We know you are the one and the only one that can open their eyes and pull that veil away to show them your glory, Lord, and we ask that you do that. We ask that you answer the prayer, the many prayers of Mac and Jackie for those people um, in their family and those um, who they've uh, affected in their lives that are here, that you just allow his life to continue to be a uh, witness for you even after he's gone, Lord, and that you use this opportunity to reach those people. In your name we pray.